All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale. Sri Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane. Namaste Saraswati Deve Goravani Pacharane. Nirvasesis and Nirvati Paskachade Satana. Vande Ham Shri Guru Shri Uta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamsha. Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatam Vitam Samsajiva. Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Padijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Deva. Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Shri Vishakam Vitamsha. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 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 July 30th, 2013, in Hilo, Hawaii, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 7, The Son of Jonah Punished, Text 49. Sutta Uvacha, Dharmyam Nyayam Sakarjunam, Dharmyam nyayam sakarunam. Nirvalikam samam mahat. Nirvalikam samam mahat. Raja dharma suto ragna. Raja Dharma Suto Rajna Raja Dharma Suto Rajna Pratyananda Dvacho Dvija Pratyananda Dvacho Dvija Sutta Uvacha Sutta Uvacha Sutta Goswami said, 
Dharmyam, in accordance with the principles of religion. Nyayam, justice. Sakarunam, full of mercy. Nirvyalikam, without duplicity in Dharma. Samam, equity. Mahat, Mahat. Glorious. glorious, Raja, Raja. The, king. the king, Dharma Sutta, Dharma Sutta. Sun. Sun, Ragnyaha, Ragnyaha. By, the queen. by the queen, Pratyanandat, Pratyanandat. supported. Vachaha Statements Dvijaha O Brahmanas Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada Sutta Goswami said O Brahmanas King Yudhishthira fully supported the statements of the queen which were in accordance with the principles of religion and were justified glorious full of mercy and equity and without duplicity. Purport. Maharaj Yudhisthira, who was the son of Dharmaraja or Yamaraja, fully supported the words of Queen Draupadi in asking Arjuna to release Ashvatthama. One should not tolerate the humiliation of a member of a great family. Arjuna and his family were indebted to the family of Dronacharya because of Arjuna's learning the military science from him. If ingratitude were shown to such a benevolent family, it would not be at all justified from the moral standpoint. The wife of Dronacharya, who is the half-body of the great soul, must be treated with compassion, and she should not be put into grief because of her son's death. That is compassion. Such statements by Draupadi are without duplicity, because action should be taken with full knowledge." The feeling of equality was there because Draupadi spoke out of her personal experience. A barren woman cannot understand the grief of a mother. Draupadi was herself a mother, and therefore her calculation of the depth of Krippi's grief was quite to the point, and it was glorious because she wanted to show proper respect to a great family. Sutta Uvacha Dharmyam Nyayam Sakarunam Nirvalikam samamahat raja dharma suto ragjnyaha pratyanandadvatodvija. Sutta Goswami said, O Brahmanas, King Yudhisthira fully supported the statements of the queen, which were in accord with the principles of religion, and were justified, glorious, full of mercy and equity, and without duplicity. So it is difficult to understand what is dharma. Here we have these words, dharma, nyaya, karuna. What is principles of religion? What is justice? What is mercy? Without any duplicity and with equity. In other words, what is the right thing to do? What do we mean by the right thing to do? We mean the thing to do which will cause the greatest benefit to everyone. 
And this is the quandary of each of us at every moment of our lives. And most of us do not have, as we were saying the other day, this kind of a situation where someone has murdered our sleeping children. And as we also mentioned the other day, it's not just a question that these were Dropadi's own children, but that these were the children who had been chosen and groomed to rule the world. That there was such a science of who marries whom, having the equal persons marry. There was the science of the Garbadan Samskar, where you call for a soul who is worthy of taking birth in that family, the royal family, where the child is then trained, practically speaking, from birth, how to guide the citizens. So that's a lot of effort and energy and thought and care taken into creating proper leaders. It's not that they just some random person from the street who's a good actor is chosen to become the leader. So this was a, a great catastrophe from a personal point of view and from a societal point of view. What to do with the murderer who was also the son of their teacher and to whom they had a debt. So this is this dharma difficulty, this dilemma, dharmic dilemma, is not at the level of which we face most of our dharmic dilemmas. Most of our dharmic dilemmas are, dharmic dilemmas are very insignificant by comparison. <laughs> like Prabhupada once got this letter from a devotee, signed your insignificant servant and in the letter it said I have a very big problem and Prabhupada was laughing and said just see how can an insignificant person have a very big problem so most of us are very insignificant persons Draupadi was the empress Mars Yudhisthira was the emperor of the world not just you know president of the United States but emperor of the world and they were there to fulfill the mission of God who was their personal friend so they have a very big problem. We have, in comparison, very small problems. Do I live in Delhi or Mumbai? You know, do I live with my in-laws or not? Do I study to be a college professor and get debt by getting a PhD? Or do I just work as a janitor? You know, these, these are our problems. Do I get married or do I become a renunciate? Do I take a course in mathematics or do I take the course in physics? And then not only are we having to deal with our own problems, but most of us are in a situation, at least some of the time, where we're giving guidance to others how to deal with their problems. Somebody will ask us. You know, again, it may be a very small thing, a very insignificant thing. Do I buy this, eat this sort of thing? Do I go here? That may be a more major life decision. But we're always looking how to do the right thing. What is Dharma? Dharma, Dharma to Sakshat Bhagavan Pranitam. Dharma is given by God who knows what is right. God knows past, present, and future. God knows what's in everyone's heart. And therefore, he knows exactly what to do and how to do it so that you will get a good result. Good result means that you will experience happiness, you will experience peace, you will experience knowledge, you will experience vitality, you will come to Satchit Ananda, even on a material level. Prabhupada talks about how a dharmic society is full of prosperity. 
peace and prosperity in society. So everyone is looking for how can I make decisions in my life and how can I guide others in such a way that the results will be favorable. This is one of the main questions that even a materialistic person is asking. So although our specific details of our questions most likely for most of us in our lives do not approach the level of seriousness that Draupadi is facing and Maharaj Yudhisthira is facing. Still, the principles by which the Queen has made her decision and which have been supported here by Dharma Sutta, the son of Dharma. So not only is he Raja, the king, but he's Dharma Sutta. And not just supported, but he says it's Mahat, it's glorious that these same principles we can apply in our own life, both when uh, deciding what to do and when giving advice, and also when hearing advice from others, when taking advice from others, as far as deciding what to do. Because Dharma can be very difficult. Srila Prabhupada often quotes the following verse, which was spoken by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in connection with glorifying Madhavinda Puri. And this verse that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quotes, interestingly enough, in the context of today's verse, was spoken by Maharaj Yudhisthira. Spoken by Maharaj Yudhisthira in the Mahabharata in the Vanaparva. That's when they were in the forest, 313-117. It's quoted by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, God himself, in Majalila 17-186. So I'm sure you're all familiar with this verse. Tarko pratishta shutayo bibina nasav rishir yasya matam nabina dharmasya tatvam nihitam guhayam mahajano yena gataswapanta. So, uh, Tarka just arguments. Apratista, they're not. Pratista means a place. Nishta, pratista. So just logic and arguments. I mean, here we find in today's verse, naya, or logical, that Draupadi's arguments are very logical. But if all you have is logic, if that's all you have is logic, it's not fixed. So sometimes we try to make decisions or guide others just on the basis of logic and argument. Before I joined the Hare Krishna movement in secondary school, I was trained in logic and debate for three years, very extensive training, two, three times a week, about two or three hours at a time, and we went to many tournaments. And one thing that you learn when you're trained in debate is that every argument has a counter-argument. Prabhupada also talks about how every weapon has a counter-weapon. In fact, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu demonstrated this. It's explained, I believe, in Chaitanya Bhagavad, how Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would make an argument, then he would defeat his own argument, then he would defeat the defeat of his own argument, and so forth. And when you're trained in debate, you can do exactly that. You learn how to defeat anyone else, and you also learn how to defeat yourself. And the conclusion is that every argument is defeatable. Every logical argument has a counter-argument. None of them stand. You cannot find an argument just by logic and reason, just by anuman, that is unassailable. Therefore, how are you going to find truth? 
dharma is that activity which brings you to truth, which brings you to happiness. Happiness and truth the same. Which brings you to success, which is right. We say, what is right? What is right brings you to truth. The truth is Satchitananda. And the truth is also fixed. The absolute truth is fixed. It's not changing. But logical arguments are not fixed. They are also changing. Then, Shrutaya Bibina. Okay, let us go to the Shastra. The logic is insufficient. Let's go to the Shastra. Bibina. They have different departments. How are you going to know? How are you going to know? Different things in the Shastra will say something different. Just like one part of the Shastra prescribes the killing of animals and sacrifice. But we are not following that. Why aren't we following that? It's in the Shastra. Prabhupada was having these morning walk conversations with Dr. Patel in Mumbai many years ago. And at one point, Dr. Patel was criticizing the Vedic scriptures which give prescriptions for the slaughter of animals. And Prabhupada said, no, this is an offense. One should not criticize the Vedic literatures or literatures in pursuance of the Vedic version. But yet we don't follow them. Or just like there are statements in the Hari Bhakti Vilas that one should take initiation, one should take diksha only from a person born in a family who's young, who's healthy, and not too hairy or hairless. That's a statement. It's there in the Shastra. But then there's other statements. Where Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is saying, Kibra Sudra, Kibra Nyasi, doesn't matter. And Srila Prabhupada comments there that although there are Shastric statements that say that one who gives diksha should be a born Brahmana, such statements are meant, he says, for materialistic people who want to stay materialistic. Even, Prabhupada says, that a statement that you should give preference to a person born in a Brahmana family is a materialistic statement. But those statements are there in the Shastra. So we know that there are, for example, 18 Puranas, and some Puranas are for those in the mode of ignorance, some are for those in the mode of passion, some are for those in the mode of goodness. So there's different advice given for different people. And one of the beauties of the Vedic literature is that there really are different instructions for different people. Now, there are instructions for people who want to worship demigods. There are instructions for people who want to worship ghosts and spirits. We, we, we find in the Bhagavatam so many stories of atheists and demons who are also following the Shastra. How could they do that? Because there's parts of the Shastra that are applicable to such people. That is the beauty of the Vedas, and that's why the Vedic religion can actually be followed all over the whole planet without it being sectarian because there's so many different departments. So that's its beauty. It's comprehensive. There's something there for everybody which will elevate them, which will bring them to dharma. But the, it's, it's like a very well-stocked pharmacy or chemist shop, as they say in other parts of the world or we call here in America the drugstore, if you go to a very well-stocked pharmacy, then there is a medicine for every possible disease. 
You know, so there are some little pharmacies that are just a little hole in the wall, and all they have is a few medicines for the most common ailments. But if you go to a gigantic, well-stocked pharmacy in some huge hospital, so they have everything. So that's its glory, but how do you know what to take? You know, how do you know? Just like here in America, we have these gigantic stores. The other day, my daughter-in-law went to one of these stores. Just huge store. Practically speaking, anything you wanted, you could get just in this one store. There are some internet shops like that now. We're practically speaking, any any item, any category. But then what, what do you do? There's so many choices. What, what do you follow? Which part of the scriptures do you follow? And therefore, just quoting the scriptures is not going to bring you to Dharma. And we see this even in our Krishna conscious societies at the present time. I'm, I'm working with some devotees right now on writing a, a Shastric paper on a particular subject. And frankly, you can find quotes in the Shastra to justify, the word here in today's verse is also justified, opposite positions. You can. You can find, oh, there's a statement over here that justifies this position. Oh, but there's a statement over here that justifies the opposite position. And depending on a person's nature and proclivity, they're going to go to the statements that support their desires. Therefore, shruteo bibina. That's not, it's not going to be sufficient. Now, we should say that uh, shruteo, to know the Shastra, is generally essential. We say generally because we have Gorgishor Das Babaji, who was illiterate. But by illiterate, we don't mean that necessarily that he couldn't technically read, but illiterate in terms of technical Shastric knowledge. And yet he was a great Acharya, and he knew what is Dharma. Or we have that Brahmana that Mahaprabhu met in South India, who was also Shastrically illiterate. He, was, he could read, but he said it wasn't that he couldn't read at all. It wasn't that he had the book upside down, as some people sometimes say. But as described in Chaitanya Charitamrita, he couldn't properly pronounce the words. So he could read, but not very well. So to have knowledge of the Sastra generally, generally, is required. In fact, Rupa Goswami explains that the adhikar, the qualification for taking up Vaidhisattva Bhakti, is how much one knows the Shastra and how much one has faith in the Shastra it's going to be very difficult to follow a system based on Shastra if you don't know the Shastra. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada very much wanted that his disciples and followers study the Shastra. Prabhupada wanted there to be a system of examinations in Shastra. He proposed four different levels of examination, Bhakti Shastri, Bhakti Vaibhava, Bhakti Vedanta, and Bhakti Sarvabhoma. And Prabhupada said that he wanted that anyone who took Gayatri Diksha should have passed this Bhakti Shastri examination. And Prabhupada said anyone who takes sannyas should pass this Bhakti Vaibhava. And Prabhupada said anyone who passed Bhakti Vedanta could initiate. So Srila Prabhupada considered it very important 
to have Shastric knowledge by which one could pass an examination. Although we can say that Shastric knowledge is not absolutely essential in order to know Dharma. It's not absolutely essential, but very highly recommended. If someone has the capacity to gain Shastric knowledge, they certainly should not neglect it. But here we understand it's not enough. It's not enough. Bibina, because there are different opinions in different places. Well, okay, what about the rishis? What about the great sages? Uh, but here again, Vina, uh, we have this, this again, differences. And Prabhupada quotes this all the time. That the different sages also have different opinions. So I can study the Shastra myself, or I can go to someone else who has studied the Shastra. And I can ask them, what does the Shastra say? But different rishis who study the Shastra, they'll also give you, well, you should do this, well, you should do that. So logic and argument doesn't stay. It can always be defeated. There's always a better argument or a different way of looking at things that is still within the purview of logic. The Shastra has different departments and different medicines. How will I know what medicine to apply? And even those who know the Shastra, the doctors, one could say, even the doctors, different doctors will have different opinions. Different rishis will have different opinions. One will say, yes, take this medicine. Another one will say, no, don't take that medicine. This is exactly what we find in the world today, right? The doctors have different opinions. The philosophers have different opinions. And we see even among the devotees, they have different opinions. So what are we going to do? How are we going to find tattva? Dharmasya tattva. Or in today's verse, right, we have dharmam nyayam nirvalikam. How are we going to find this? So, dharmasya tattvam nikitam guhaya. Guha means very secret. And this guha, generally, it's, it's a poetic way of talking about the heart. So therefore, Prabhupada and Chaitanya Charjimita translates this guhayam as in the heart of a realized person. Mahajana yena gatasva panta. Panta is the path. You follow what the Mahajanas do. Because, why? Because they have, it's in their heart. The rishis, it's in their head. But the Mahajanas, jana means person, maha great. In today's verse, we also have this word mahat, very great. What Draupadi has spoken is very great. It is spoken from the heart. There, and if we're functioning on that platform and, follow, or, and following those who are functioning on that platform, those who have realization and experience, then we will come to supreme dharma. We have to have realization and experience and follow those who have realization and experience. So Draupadi has realization and experience on two levels which qualify her to know what is truth, to know how to act, 
to know how to make a decision. The most important level on which she has realization and experience is that although she's not listed as one of the 12 Mahajanas, she is in fact also a Mahajana. She is a Vaishnavi. Srila Prabhupada, in speaking on this verse, over and over again says how Draupadi is a Vaishnavi. What is this realization and experience of a Vaishnava or a Vaishnavi? It's Paradukaduki. We talked about this the other day. But this is the essential, one of the essential principles of real religion. Let not anyone else suffer. Just like the doctors have this oath, first do no harm. And Prabhupada, in lecturing on on this verse, says that even according to ordinary moral principles, not transcendent moral principles, that I feel pain when I'm cut, therefore why should I cut others? So Draupadi's realized this. Why? Because she's filled with transcendental bliss. She's a friend who's in love with this, the friend of the Lord, who's in love with the Lord. Therefore she is filled with dharma, with ultimate dharma. Savaipum samparo dharma yato bhakti rathoksajaya She herself is filled with dharma. Krajavidjarajaguyam pavitram idamuttamam pratyakshavagamam dharmam susukam kartamabhyam she is, she is experiencing dharma, which is filling her with happiness. And this overflowing happiness is such that she wants to share it with others. She wants no one to be without this happiness. I mean, we have some idea of this concept, even on a gross material sense that you buy something that works very well and you want to tell your friends about it. And one thing that's prevalent now with internet shopping is that other people who bought the same item write a review. It's this principle. If I bought something that doesn't work, I want to tell other people about it so they won't get harmed. And if I bought something that's wonderful, I want to tell other people about it so they can also enjoy it, even strangers. You're writing these reviews so that some stranger will benefit. Paradukaduki. And it's very satisfying. And you'll get some feedback. The company will give you some feedback that, you know, 50 people said they found your review helpful. I just got an email like that yesterday. And then you feel satisfied. Oh, I've helped other people. I've been able to share my experience with them. So this is true also on the transcendent level, that a person such as Draupadi, who's experiencing Krishna consciousness, she's experiencing the joy of having a relationship with Krishna, and she sees how wonderful it is. So she wants everyone else to experience that. That is the essence of Dharma on a transcendent level based on her own experience. I mean, we can contrast this with the preaching and religious teaching and preachings of people who are not experiencing sukhsukam kartamavira. They're not experiencing expanding transcendental bliss. They just think that their interpretation of the Shastra 
or their understanding of logic is better than others and they try to pound that into other people's heads out of pride you know we call this self-righteousness that's not dharma that's not dharma my view of the shastra my understanding of logic is better than yours because i'm a smarter better person than you and therefore you should do what i say because i know truth that's not dharma not according to Maharaj Yudhisthira, not according to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Dharma is something one is experiencing in one's heart by realization. One has an actual experience. It's one's life. But interestingly enough, Draupadi is also functioning that way, even on a mundane platform. I'm a mother... I've just lost all of my children. Why would I want anyone, any other mother to lose her child? Why should someone else, even on a material level, suffer the pain that I am suffering? Therefore, even on that level, she speaks from experience. We see that Again, if people try to give material instructions without experience, it can cause so much harm. Just like if people try to give spiritual guidance and they don't have actual spiritual experience, it's simply a disturbance. People who are running around preaching this religion, that religion, when they're not experiencing susu kam kartamaviyam, if they're not experiencing joy, if they're not experiencing peace, then their view of their religion is all distorted. They don't understand what religion is at all. And they're just pushing a particular mode of nature viewpoint supported by certain aspects of Shastra that they're pulling to support their aspects. And the same with materially. You know, if you're going to give somebody advice on how to drive a car... You better have some experience driving a car. There's this famous story about Sankaracharya that Srila Prabhupada tells in Chaitanya Charitamrita that is very relevant in this connection. Sankaracharya was engaged in a debate with a king, and the subject of the debate was anything that was in the Shastra. The mediator of the debate was the queen which is, would show that she was a highly qualified person to mediate a debate between her husband and someone else. So the queen decided that her husband had indeed lost the debate with Sankaracharya. Now, in those days, if you lost a debate, you had to surrender to the person who defeated you. You had to become their disciple, and generally to become the disciple of Sankaracharya meant to take sannyas, because his philosophy was Brahma, Satya Jagamitya, the world is false. So if you're really going to follow him, you'd have to give up the world. So it was quite a heavy thing. And the queen said, yes, my husband's been defeated, which would mean he would have to follow Sankaracharya and take sannyas, and what would she do? She said, but I'm half of my husband's body. Uh, today in the purport also this is mentioned, how creepy was half of her husband's body. Anyway, she said, I'm half of my husband's body, therefore you have to defeat me also. And Sankaracharya agreed. He said, yes, I'm prepared to debate with you. Sankaracharya didn't take a mood that I can't, debate with a woman anyway and then she said all right i want to debate on the parts of the shastra that deal with sex 
as Prabhupada puts, put it in his purport, the erotic principles. And Sankaracharya had taken sannyas when he was eight years old. And he said, I can't do that now because I have no experience. He said, let me come back in a month and then I will debate with you. So, of course, Sankaracharya could not get experience of the erotic principles in that body because he'd taken the vow of sannyas. So he retired to a secluded place, had a disciple guard his body. Prabhupada explains this. He then left his body and he entered the body of a dying king. He took over the body of a king. And for one month in the body of a king, Prabhupada said, he experienced the erotic principles. Then he left that king's body, returned to his own body, went back to debate with the queen, who immediately acknowledged defeat and became a follower of Sankaracharya. And Prabhupada said she gave up material life, which some researchers say that means that she died, and some researchers say that she became also, both she and her husband became renunciates. In fact, some there's some record that she started some sort of a renunciate ashram. Anyway, the point is that Sankaracharya did not feel that he could debate on a subject on which he had no practical experience, even on a material level. So in order to guide somebody else as to what is dharma, we have to have, first of all, practical, realized experience in transcendent dharma. Then we also have to have practical life experience in the area in which they want to apply it. And we see that even if somebody has practical, realized experience in ultimate dharma, which certainly Sankaracharya had, that if you don't have practical material experience, you may not necessarily know how to apply ultimate dharma to that circumstance. Therefore, one who's been a lifetime sannyasi may not be able to apply ultimate transcendent dharma to the specific questions in the household or ashram, and vice versa. So when we're taking advice from somebody, we should see, are they realized both on the ultimate dharma level, and are they realized in applying dharma to this situation? Draupadi was realized in how dharma could be applied to a grieving mother. She had practical realization of it. And when we're giving advice in the same way, when we're giving advice, we should give advice according to our level of realization and our area of realization. On a spiritual level, we should speak according to our level of realization. As they say in the world today, you know, is that above your pay grade? If there's an area that's above our level of realization, then either we shouldn't speak on it at all or just very briefly and tell people, this is theory. And when it comes to applying Krishna consciousness, when it comes to applying Dharma to specific areas, if we have no experience with the area about which we're being asked, then we should not give advice on that area but we should refer the person to somebody who actually has expertise in that area. This is practical humility. So real dharma comes from realization and experience. Dharma, here we find perfect dharma. Draupadi, as a Vaishnavi, is speaking perfect dharma, which is supported by dharma sutta, 
the son of religion, her husband, who's the king, he says, yes, my wife is speaking perfect dharma. It is based here on realization, and it is based on experience. So whether we are getting dharma from others or giving dharma to others in order to make life decisions, that dharma, uh, certainly perfect dharma will be logical, and certainly perfect dharma will be based on the shastras, and certainly perfect dharma will have rishis, rishis who support it. But perfect dharma is found realized in the heart of the great personalities through realization and through experience. And such dharma allows people to then make decisions that bring them happiness. Questions, comments, corrections, etc. Of course you How is it that how is it that um, you're, you're mentioning here that both Tropity and Yudhishthira are sort of concurring with one another what would be the proper dharmic action to, uh, to ensue because of the activities, the, the heinous activities of Asvatthama. Now, this is, this is contrary to what Krishna said. Krishna's already spoken on this. I mean, uh, several verses back, it was, you know, Krishna gave his opinion that a cruel and wretched person who maintains his existence at the cost of others deserves to be killed for his own well-being. Otherwise, he will go down for his own actions. And in the purport, Prabhupada said that, and he speaks about this, he says, political morality is to punish a person by a death sentence in order to save a cruel person from going to hell. That a murderer is condemned to a death sentence by the state is good for the culprit because in his next life uh, he will have to suffer the act of the murder. Yeah, I remember. I gave Such class a death on that sentence verse. for a murderer. I gave uh, class on that uh, verse, Prabhu. Remember? Okay, so uh, I'm trying to see how this applies. If, if, if uh, Dharma to Sakshat Bhagavad Pinatum if religious principles well, the answer are to your question is coming up in the next verses. Stay oh. tuned. All right, I'll let you off the hook then. Well, I mean, I don't, I just, don't, I don't want to jump the gun and and steal the the fire from whoever's going to speak on those verses that bring these two things together because uh, they will be brought together, and your question will be answered. So tune in in the morning right. to we'll, find the answer. We'll, we'll, all right, stay tuned. Okay. You know, actually, we're getting all kinds of chats asking you to jump the gun. But before you do that, if you do that, we actually are hearing a lot of echo, and that's from you. I would rather you mute yourself so I go inadvertently mute. The echo is coming from your speaker's left. Oh, yeah, that's because I didn't plug the... I have to switch back and forth to make this recording between speaker and my and mic. And, yeah, okay. So there's requests for you to jump the gun. <laughs> nope. We'll leave that a cliffhanger for today. Sorry about that. Because it's coming up. It, it's coming up, you know. Where it's going to be... Uh, let's see. It's going to be on fifth, takes 53... 
to 54, which, am I talking on those also? Let's see. What am I speaking about? Yes, yes, I am, in fact, in two days. You only have to wait two days. And I'll be speaking on that on Thursday. And if I talk about it now, I won't have anything to say on Thursday. Then you guys will tune in on Thursday and there'll just be silence. That the Krishna spoke and Krishna gave his opinion and now we're going against it. I mean, this couldn't happen in the Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna gave, gave his opinion, but he had to go with what Krishna wanted. So we're going to be waiting. Hello? Can I, can I say something? As long as you don't answer the question and ruin it for everybody. Actually, sometimes things are not black and white. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It's uh there's twenty what is it in uh on the computer there's two hundred and fifty six shades of gray. There's a whole spectrum. And although it's a tendency of some of the devotees to want to just <clears throat> get things down to sound bites or to try to make it black and white. Uh, there's more to it than that, and I think uh, Irma Didi did a pretty fair job on explaining how logic is assailable by the same process, but the Brahmins, they established the truth, and that uh, conversation that Ramananda Roy had with Lord Chaitanya turned on that verse where uh, we have to give up all mental speculation and go to someone who's experienced, who's self-realized. That's, that's how you get out of the dilemma of debating ad nauseum. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I have a question in that regard, although I, had, I thought I just, I heard someone else trying to speak, no? I was trying to speak. Okay, please. Okay, this is Marla. Hi, Kishan. And I'm sorry, this sounds like a stupid question, but tell me what Dharma is. That's not at all a stupid question. Uh, Dharma can be translated in many different ways. It can be translated as a, a sort of faith or a religion. Srila Prabhupada translates Dharma as the essence of a thing. So the Dharma of sugar is sweetness. Uh, the Dharma of water is liquidity. When water is in its natural state, it's liquid. Uh, so uh, Dharma is what is the essential principle of things. And the essential principle of the, what, what is the truth of something? What is something's actual nature? So if you're following Dharma, it will bring you to something that's truth, something that's true and something that's real and something that's right. You can in ordinary usage, Dharma means what is the right thing, the right the 
right way to act, the right way to think, the right way to... But what do we mean by that? It, it becomes another question. Well, that which brings you to truth, that which is in harmony with truth, and what is truth? Truth is satshidananda. Truth is, is eternal. So there are uh, kinds of dharma that are circumstantial. But ultimate dharma is eternally, is eternal. It's always fixed. Chit means it's full of knowledge. And ananda means it's full of happiness. So just uh, let's just give an ordinary life example. So somebody walks up to you and says, Why did you do that? That was really a foolish thing to do. I don't know why you did that. So what's your dharmic response? So if you go, well, you're always accusing me. Then do you feel when you do that? Are you full of knowledge and are you full of joy? The answer is no. Therefore, that kind of response cannot be dharma. Okay? Is that it's just real, real simple Thing. So if something's dharma, then it brings you to truth. It brings you to something that doesn't waver, that fills you with, with knowledge. And by knowledge, I don't mean, you know, how to spell Thursday. That it, brings you, it brings you wisdom. It brings you understanding. It brings you peace. It brings you not happiness, again, in the sense of eating a piece of candy, but 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 joy it brings you expansive joy that all the the your whole body feels illumined by joy it brings you peace and ultimately it brings you in touch with the personality of godhead it brings you a relationship with god the person so one can understand dharma as anything that brings you in that direction that is that is true that is right Yadyatma supersedity. The highest dharma is that which brings full satisfaction. And not only to you, but to everyone. Or at least your attempt is to bring it to everyone. So dharmic action, dharmic thoughts, dharmic feelings are those which fill you with truth and which at least have as their motive to fill others with truth. Whether or not others receive it, is, is not under your control, but at least to fill others with truth. So that is, that's the reality. What, what is the actual essence of things is Dharma, and that is the essence of things. I hope that's not too esoteric of an answer. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. Wow, that was excellent. Uh, I have a question. And Harsh has a question. I can just read his question first. Yes, do that. Um, why Draupadi was not so sensitive to Gandhari? All of her sons were killed. Mm. I don't think that we would say that Draupadi was not sensitive to Gandhari. It's described in Bhagavatam, actually in the very next chapter, chapter 8, how that when the funeral ceremonies were being performed, that because uh, everybody was a family member, their grief was compounded. So they did feel grief at the death of the... And Arjuna did also. Arjuna didn't want to kill 
the sons of Judarastra. He, he said that very clearly. Uh, in that in that circumstance, there was there was some difference. In this circumstance, we're talking about the wife of the teacher. We're talking about brahmanas, and in the other circumstance, we're talking about a battlefield, and we're talking about primarily kshatriyas who came as aggressors. So it's not that they didn't feel as much compassion; they did, but the specific actions taken on the basis were somewhat different. But the feelings of compassion were the same. Draupadi certainly did feel compassion for Gantari. And there's this, so did, and as we said, so did Arjuna. In fact, that's the whole basis of the Bhagavad Gita, that Arjuna felt this. We were talking about this the other day. That Arjuna, as a Vaishnava, similarly felt this sort of compassion. Why should I hurt others, even those who hurt me? So, and experience. You need realization and experience. You're, you're looking here at Draupadi that she has spiritual realization and she has also material experience in this particular area. And I mean, certainly we would understand, I'm not, I don't know if everybody in the world would, but we would understand Srila Prabhupada to be a Mahajana, even though he's not on that list. So, yes, and we're supposed to become like that also. It's not that we're expected to remain unrealized and inexperienced. We are also, Prabhupada said, there should be 100,000 gurus. I mean, we are meant to, to also give that, and we're in that, we need to become like that also. you yourself are not realized, how will you recognize who is a realized person? How will you know who to approach, who to listen to, and who not to? Well, that's a very good question. That's, of course, uh, we get asked this question all the time. Arjuna asked this question in the Bhagavad Gita. He asked this question in chapter 2. How can I recognize a person who has realization? And Krishna gives the answer. Uh, again, he asks the question in chapter 14, and Krishna gives the answer. Krishna gives a description at the end of chapter 12. He gives some descriptions at other places also in chapter 5. Vijavanaya sampane brahmani gavihastani suni chaiva sopaketa pandita samadarshinaha. 
he gives a, descriptions in chapter 6. You'll find the descriptions are all very similar. It's not that you would necessarily have to memorize all of them, but they have a lot in common. Chaitanya uh, Mahaprabhu is giving the nine symptoms of someone in bhava, which the Rupa Goswami then also explains in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So the symptoms are, are there. And of course, anyone who's a Mahajana, they're, they're following Mahajana. You have those 12 Mahajanas. Who is, fo- who is following them? Who is following in their, their footsteps? So those symptoms are described. And if you can say, well, some of those symptoms are hard to discern, that's a fact. And therefore, one has to be trained to discern them. I mean, just even on a material level, it's like that. There were several years when I would shop for devotees whenever I went to India. I'd go to India for pilgrimage, or I'd go to India to, for some serv- to do some specific service. And for many, many years, I would also shop for the devotees in my community. What I would do is, the first few, first few times I did it, I just bought things and then sold them at cost when I returned. And then I had several years where I took specific orders from specific people. They told me exactly what they wanted and they gave me the money in advance and again I just sold them at cost as, as a service. I didn't make a profit. And in doing that, I got, over several years, I got some sense about fabric. I also did quite a bit of research and study about fabric and weaving, hand weaving, machine weaving, what were the different qualities of cotton, the different qualities of silk, of jute, of combinations of the fabrics and so forth. Just recently in London, I bought some fabric. I asked the man at the shop, what's this fabric made of? He said, poly cotton. I said, can you tell me how much poly and how much cotton? So he took a little piece of the fabric and burned it. And when burning it, he said, okay, see, these threads are cotton, these threads are poly, and it's probably 70% cotton and 30% poly. It's interesting, we went to another fabric store and asked the people there about, they were also selling fabric, and they said, I don't know, I just buy it and sell it, I don't know what's in it. So even if you're going to recognize, you know, what's good quality fabric, how do you know, you know, when when I'm buying somebody a sari or a dhoti or a chudder, how do I know that I'm buying something that's likely to last for many, many years, and, you know, I, I have to study. I have to I have to study from those who know and then I have to test through person I have to test with the guidance of somebody. Now, this, so this man showed me, okay, this is how you burn the fabric. This is what it looks like. When you burn cotton it looks like this. When you burn silk it looks like this. When you burn polyester it looks like this. And then you you have to judge. Therefore, one says before accepting a guru, one should examine that person for a minimum of a year, following the guidelines of the Shastra. Otherwise, one will be cheated. You know, just somebody comes along who has some ability to hypnotize. You know, you can feel really peaceful and warm, fuzzy, just if you get hypnotized, you know. And then you can think, oh, this person has realization. Or they can do some magic. There are magicians who can make coins appear out of your ear and stuff like that. Or maybe they have some real magic. They have some mystic power. Or they just have the symbols. They, they, 
wear orange, long orange clothes, and they have a long beard, and they carry a stick. And, you know, there's a, a documentary movie called Kumari about one American, one Indian American, uh, Indian, East Indian, not Native American, who did that. He went to India for a while. He studied how the gurus and sadhus, whether they were real or whatever, behaved. Then he dressed like one, came back to America, and presented himself as a guru. And he got followers. Basically because he took the symbols, took the external symbols, and he just spoke some completely nonsense philosophy. He taught nonsense yoga postures. and It's a, it's a very heavy, watching this documentary, which I use as part of my sociology of religion class in Radhadesh, it's very heavy. It, it, it's very disturbing how easily we're able to be cheated just if somebody has, the, has symbols of a particular thing. Like Prabhupada says, you can't recognize a, a well-dressed fool till he opens its mouth, his mouth. So one should study. One should study uh, under, under guidance, and one should experience, and one should test, just like if you want to know how to buy good fabric. You know, you, you have to learn. You have to be able you And once you're expert, you can just pick up a piece of fabric, and by feeling it, you can tell, is it silk or is it synthetic? Or you, you burn a sec. You do some, there's tests you do that you can see. Is this high-quality fabric or low-quality fabric? Same with anything. You know, how do you tell a, a, what's fruit juice and what's chemicals? How do you tell what's a ripe mango? and How do you tell you know, a ripe cantaloupe melon? So there, there's a test. You smell the end of it, and you're looking for a particular smell. And so this is all given in the Shastra, because tadvidi pranipatena praniprashtena sevya upadakshanti te gyanam gyaninas tatvadarshina. How are you going to tell who's tatvadarshina? who's seen the truth. So when Krishna is telling you, go to someone who's seen the truth, and that person will be able to guide you individually. You know, what would you say, 250-something shades of gray? So the person will be able to guide you personally. What medicine in the pharmacy is right for you now? And then Krishna, if he's going to ask you to go to such a person, he's also going to tell you what are the qualifications of such a person. And it's not impossible, just like we can tell who's a qualified doctor or what's a good piece of cloth. So we can also tell who's actually Mahajana. Okay, thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.